Well, good morning to you, and welcome on this Children's Sunday, and uh, I, I really enjoy having the children in the service with us, and uh, I know that they're great multitaskers so that they can be, you know, coloring or whatever, but they're hearing and they're learning from what we are modeling to them. They're seeing us worship, and they're learning about worship. They're seeing us listen to God's word, and they're learning about that. So I'm really grateful to have them here with us and all of you as well. As I've mentioned before, I'm from Canada. I grew up in Niagara Falls and Niagara Falls is is a spectacular sight. It is is a wonder to stand there and to see it. And there are some people who have done some crazy things at Niagara Falls. In 1901... There was this woman who was a school teacher in Bay City. She decided that she was going to go over the falls in a barrel. The first one to do it successfully and live. Several people have tried. Some have made it. Some haven't. It's a big crime to try to do it now. They'll catch you, pull you out, arrest you, charge you, make you pay all kinds of fines. Back in the summer of 1859, anybody here remember that summer? There was a man by the name of Charles Blondin. He was an acrobat. And he had a quarter mile long tightrope set up that spanned the Horseshoe Falls over that gorge. If you've ever seen it, it, it is incredible to see in person. And he spent the summer walking back and forth across that, doing incredible things one time he crossed it in a potato sack one time he crossed it on a bicycle there was one time he was getting really adventurous really confident he did it on stilts like absolutely incredible then like to make it even better he figured out a way to strap on like some kind of camp stove And he cooked an omelet while he was crossing. Okay? So this guy had skills. And just just so you know, you won't be able to find this on YouTube if you're looking it up. You won't see it there. But And and, and one day on, uh, I have the date. It It was in July 15th. He brought a wheelbarrow out. And he crossed on this tightrope pushing a wheelbarrow in front of him. And the crowds, they just, they came out every time he was coming, expecting something new and something exciting. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. And, and everybody's seen what he can do and, and knows that he's going to make it, but there's still this excitement. And he crosses and he comes back to the crowd and he says, now who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And you hear crickets. Because while they've seen him do it over and over again and cross successfully, do they really believe that he's going to be successful this time? Do they really believe that he's going to be able to do it? And do we really believe it? Do we really believe the truths of the gospel? Do we really believe in the resurrection and in creation and that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and that the word of God is living and active and God breathed. 
Like when we're asked to get in the wheelbarrow, do we really trust and believe that it is true? But more specifically, this Children's Sunday here at Midland Free, I want to ask, do we really believe that we're raising and equipping the next generation of church leaders? Do we really believe that what we do on Sunday morning has eternal impact? Do we believe that when we check our children into, uh, into children's ministry or we dismiss them for um, creative kids, that this is more than just a break for mom so that she can listen to the sermon or so that mom and dad can go to a small church class and catch up with their friends? Do we believe that everyone in the body, the teens, the single adults, the senior saints, and busy professionals can have an impact on these precious lives for eternity? Do we really believe it? I want to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 10 to 17. Paul writes to Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that have happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for this church body. I thank you for the children, for their parents, for every person here. And I thank you for your word that we have it to learn about you and that it changes lives. That every, every word in this Bible is breathed out by you and useful. And God, I pray that we would see that this morning and that we would believe that that it is useful for teaching and equipping these young children to lead the church in the next generation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So some of you may be scratching your head right now. What does this have to do with children? And I want to try to get through this as, as briefly as I can this morning. Um, First and second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles. And the apostle Paul wrote them um, to these men who would be leading the church, 
who would be equipping the church, who would have to defend the faith. And 2 Timothy, in particular, um, Paul's writing from prison. And Paul's writing from prison, and he has a death sentence. He's going to be executed. He's not going to get out. This is it. This could be his last communication with Timothy. We know that, it, that he was executed by Nero, and Nero died in 68 AD. So probably somewhere around 65, 67 AD, Paul writes this letter to Timothy. And I want you to think about this. Jesus' ministry, he spends the time with the, the, the disciples. He's preparing them. He's teaching them. He dies. He's resurrected. He spends more time with them. And he says, when I go, another is going to come. And he ascends to heaven and they're filled by the Holy Spirit. And now um, down the road, Paul ends up joining them. He has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life has changed. And now these apostles, these sent ones of God are going out and they're planting churches throughout the world. And they're, they're leading the church churches, they're teaching, and the word of God is not yet complete, so they're teaching with authority. And, and you, you read over and over again that we're to hold fast to the apostles' teaching. That we're to be faithful to what they taught. And Paul's coming to the end, and it's like, I'm not going to be here much longer. I don't know where Peter is, or, or, or where... Um, the other disciples are, but like in a generation, we're going to be gone. And we need to leave this to the next generation and build them up and equip them and give them all the tools that they're going to need to faithfully lead the church. And Paul writes here to Timothy in verse 10. And he says, you, however, have followed my teaching." My conduct, my aim. And my first point is, is that we have an example that we set. And Paul's talking about the example that he set to Timothy. But as a body, every single member of the church is setting an example for the younger Christians, for the immature Christians, for the ones who will eventually come behind and will lead. Paul's preparing Timothy for this, and he's preparing Timothy for something that's like pretty rough that's coming. When you read, he says um, in verse 11 and, and 12, in verse 12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life, Christ Jesus, um, in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Does that sound like a world that we see right now? Like it's, it's going from bad to worse. And there's deception all around and there's lies being told everywhere. And like you can't trust the news. You can't trust what you read on social media. You can't trust what politicians say. All of this uncertainty and like what is, seems to be a, a spiraling of the culture. Like this is what Timothy was looking at and this is what we're looking at. And we need to raise our children so that they're ready to navigate that. And the example that we set, and the faith that we live, and the truths that we speak 
are going to be what they use to interpret and to navigate the evil world that they're going to grow up in and that they're going to live in. We set an example for them and ask, do we really believe that? Do we, do we think about that, that we're setting an example for them? I already warned Pastor Kurt I was going to quote him this morning, and he's like, already? Um, if you were at the Elder Forum on, on Monday night, he gave a bit of a challenge to the congregation, and there were, there were two words that stuck out to me. Show up. And he said that that's more than just like being in the service, but, but it's being involved in each other's lives. And if we're going to be an example for the next generation, we need to show up so that we can model to them faith, so that we can teach them, so that we can show them how we endure suffering, so that we can show them how we remain faithful in difficult times and in every interaction. We have guest check-in attendants who are like some of the first, pe- the first person that new people interact with in children's ministry as they come to check their children in and to trust us with their children. And we have teachers who faithfully study. And I know there's a group of men who get together on Saturday mornings and, and they have their Bible study based on what the lesson is for the children. And assistance in the classroom and safety for kids, people. All of these and baby cuddlers, baby cuddlers. Don't you want to be a baby cuddler? Like, and all of these people modeling faith every Sunday in every interaction with these children. And I had permission to to mention um, one lady who helps. Her name's Tina Mann. I talked with her at the uh, getting ready for the rummage sale a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and, and I'm not going to say how old she is, but she told me she's not quite yet 80. Okay? And she heard that, that we need help in the classrooms. And she volunteered. And I said, why did you do this? And she said, because it's known that if people are going to make a decision for Christ, it's most likely going to happen before they're 18 years old. And she wanted to be part of that. So she shows up. Have you ever heard of the man by, a man by the name of Kathy Pruitt? He makes like the best chicken sandwich or made the best chicken sandwich in the country. Kathy Pruitt was the founder and was the owner of Chick-fil-A. I had the opportunity to hear him speak like almost 20 years ago. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And at the time I heard him speak, he was like 80 something years old and he was still teaching the 12 and 13 year old boys Sunday school class in his church. In fact, he taught that class for over 50 years. Like, have you ever been around a 12 year old boy? It's wild. They have this energy that is unpredictable. They, they sometimes smell really bad. They, like, they crash into things because they don't know how long their arms or their legs are because they're growing so fast. If you don't see them over the summer, they come back and you're like, is that you? 
But here's something else about 12-year-old boys. If you know anything about developmental psychology, you know that little kids, when you teach them something, they're like, yeah, mom told me that. It's true. Yeah, they just accept it. And when they turn about 12 years old, they take that information that they've received, that they've heard, and they start to test it. They start to challenge it because they want to see if it's really true. They want to see if it really works. And one of the ways that they're going to do that is by watching your lives. And they're going to say, yeah, all these people say that fellowship with one another is important, but are they doing it? All these people say that reading and studying the scriptures is important, but are they doing it? All these people say that I'm supposed to love, but but when I look at them, do I see them loving one another? And for 50 years, Kathy Pruitt showed up in their lives. And for 50 years, he did what Paul did. So that all those children could say, you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my suffering. You watched me all these years to see that it is real, that I do believe this, that it does change my life, that my God is there for me over and over again. So do you really believe that we're to be an example to these young people so that we can prepare them to face the world? And if you do, you'll show up. So we're to be an example. The second is that we're to teach God's word because it makes one wise to salvation. I love this verse. And Paul's saying uh, in, in verse... Um, 15, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. Do you realize that, that these words are words of life? Like this is an incredible thing that we do when we gather the children together and we teach them about God's word. When we teach them about a savior who loves us, when we teach them that we have sinned, that we have fallen short of the glory of God, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Paul says, Paul even tells us when Timothy started hearing this, he said from childhood. And that word means like it's, there's like infancy and then leaving infancy. So that's childhood, leaving infancy. So like when they're toddlers, when they're starting to understand language and they're starting to understand consequences and you're teaching them like this is in, this is under, this is above, they can start learning about the word of God and they can start beginning to understand the principles of God. And Paul even goes on to talk about who they learned this from. We know that it was Paul was part of it. But at the beginning of the book, in verse 5, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that, faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. See, he learned this from his mom and his grandma. 
who taught them the scriptures, who taught him the words of truth that can produce life in him. To the moms here, what greater joy could there be than to teach your child the scriptures and to see them grow wise unto salvation? And I know sometimes being a mom feels very overwhelming. And sometimes moms who've chosen not to work like struggle with this feeling that they're missing out on a career and they do so much in the home that they feel underappreciated. I want you to know this morning that if you're faithfully raising your children and teaching them the scriptures, the truth of God that makes one wise to salvation, you are preparing them to navigate and thrive in an ever-changing world because you've anchored them in truth. You need to understand what important work that is. You need to understand that that is kingdom work and it is every bit as significant as someone who goes overseas as a missionary or somebody who becomes the pastor of a church because what you're doing has impact for all eternity. Jesus called, yeah, they do need a hand. Jesus calls us to be fishers of men and moms, you are real fishers of men in your homes with your children. So we know who taught Timothy and we know what he was taught. And so how do we teach this from childhood? Like mom and dad are sitting there thinking, I didn't go to Bible school. I wasn't even raised in church. How do I teach them these things? How do I get them to understand this? And I want to real briefly go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to read verses 4 to 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, And when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's like, well, wow, what what does that mean? It means all the time you're talking about God. In everything you're talking about God. When your child says, Mommy, why, why is that person look different? You talk about the fact that they're created in God's image. And God made each and every one of us unique and special. And that even though they look different from us, God loves them in the same way that he loves me and the same way that he loves you. When you're out fishing with your child and, and you catch that beautiful rainbow trout and you're all excited, you stop. And you tell them about God's creation and about God's provision and about the incredible creativeness of God to make all this beauty and splendor. And when you go to work and and your son says, why do you have to go to work? You tell them that God made work. From the moment in the garden that they sinned, God said that we're going to work. But work is good. Work provides for us. 
Work gives us value and work benefits everyone around us. It's part of the common grace of God and we do all things to the glory of God. And when your child lies to you and you're disciplining them, you, you go beyond saying that was bad and that was naughty, but you, you talk about the fact that, that when you lie, you grieve God. You sin against God and that we're all sinners. And it drives them to the cross. And when they take their brother or their sister's toys, you talk about stealing. And when you steal, when you take something that's not yours, you're not trusting God's providence. You're not trusting that God will give you what you need. You're not being thankful for what you have. In everything that we do, we talk about God. We point to Christ and to the greatness of God. And then when you mess up, mom and dad, when you lose your temper, when you sin, you go and you confess to your, to your child. You say, I blew it. I sinned against God. I sinned it against you. But I'm so glad that I have a savior who forgives us. So we set an example in their lives by showing up. We teach them the word of God because it saves and then lastly, lastly, we have confidence in God's word. We have confidence in God's word because it'll make the next generation complete and equipped for every good work. Verses 16 and 17 of 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture from Genesis to Revelation, all of those accounts in the Old Testament, all of the poetry and Psalms, the writings in Proverbs, the difficult parts, all of it. And that's one of the things I love about, about the curriculum that's being used is it goes from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation. And everything in the Old Testament, it points to Christ. It all points to Jesus. Noah's Ark points to Christ. The temple, it points to the sacrifice of Christ. It all points to Jesus. All of this scripture is breathed out by God. And is profitable. Do you know what that means that it's profitable? And, and you might think this. If you have a Bible reading plan. And you're like reading through numbers. You're like. I, I, don't, I don't get how this is profitable. To me. I don't quite feel that. <clears throat> I want to ask you a question. Don't answer out loud. Just think about it. What did you eat on October the 8th of 2022 for dinner? You don't remember but you profited from it. You profit from every meal that you eat. It strengthens you, it nourishes you. And every time you open God's word and you read it and you read it to your children, they might not remember everything about it, but it, it is profitable because it gets in our hearts. And at the right moment, God brings it to the surface and reminds us of those truths. All scripture is profitable. And it makes us complete, equipped for every good work. Does that, does that sound familiar to you? Like when we were in Ephesians, 
in chapter 4. Verse 11, and it says, and he gave gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not not to equip the pastor, not the children's director, not the care pastor, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Do we really believe that that's what we're doing with our children when we bring them to children's on Sunday morning? You see, I believe what Paul believed and what Paul taught and what he wrote. I believe what he wrote and taught about God, about his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. I believe what is written about sin and death and resurrection. And I believe that God's plan and design for training the next generation of leaders in the church is by teaching his word, by being an example, by trusting that God's word is sufficient. And I believe that it is the duty of the whole church, of every member, to set an example to our children with our own teaching and conduct and faith and patience, love, steadfastness and suffering. And I believe that God's word, that the scriptures make children wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe that the work of mothers and fathers in the home is kingdom work, enabling our children to grow and attain this. And I believe that by teaching the whole counsel of God's word to our children. That they'll grow up and be complete and equipped for every good work. Do you believe this this morning? Because I have confidence in the inspired word of God. And I believe that that on any given Sunday in children's ministry. There are boys and girls who are going to grow up. And be godly parents because we're faithful to the teaching of the apostles. I believe that there are are boys in there who are going to grow up and to be pastors of churches. I believe that there are children who are going to grow up and who are going to take the gospel across, um, across cultures and across the world. I believe that in this church now in children's are the future pastors for this church. And I believe that if we're faithful to God's word, just as Lois and Eunice and Paul taught Timothy, and Timothy faithfully taught the people in his church, and as previous generations have taught us, by the grace of God, these children will be fully equipped to lead and teach the next generation about the scriptures that make one wise unto salvation and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge and all of this to the praise and to the glory of God. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for the church. 
And I thank you that you use your word and you use faithful men and women, mothers and fathers to teach our children, to teach them the scriptures that are able to make one wise to salvation and who set an example every day in their faith and in their conduct and all that they do. God, I pray that we would be a church that believes this, that believes that your word is powerful and living and active and able to change lives. And God, I pray that the children here would grow to be mature and fully equipped to lead the next generation of the church. To the praise and glory of your name, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.